Hello and welcome to episode 672 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this afternoon. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Wednesday, October 4th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as this is both the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi and the anniversary of my beloved grandmother's passing, Margaret Stanton died on this date in 1987. I would like to say a Hail Mary for the repose of her soul and in honor of St. Francis of Assisi. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tu, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Rest in peace, Grandma. We love you very much. And I would like to share from the Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguri, the Wednesday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain deliverance from hell. My most beloved lady, I thank thee for having delivered me from hell as many times as I have deserved it by my sins. Miserable creature that I was, I was once condemned to that prison and perhaps already after the first sin, the sentence would have been put into execution if thou, in thy compassion, hadst not helped me. Thou, without even being asked by me, and only in thy goodness didst restrain divine justice, and then, conquering my obduracy, thou didst draw me to have confidence in thee. Oh, and to how many other sins should I have afterwards fallen, in the dangers in which I have been? Hadst not thou, my loving mother, preserved me by the graces which thou didst obtain me? Ah, my queen, continue to guard me from hell. For what will thy mercy and the favors which thou hast shown me avail me if I am lost? If I did not always love thee, now at least after God, I love thee above all things. Never allow me to turn my back on thee and on God, who by thy means has granted me so many graces. My most amiable lady, never allow me to have the misfortune to hate thee and curse thee for all eternity in hell. Wilt thou endure to see a servant of thine who loves thee lost? O Mary, what sayest thou? I shall be lost if I abandon thee. But who can ever more have the heart to leave thee? How can I ever forget the love thou hast borne me? My lady, since thou hast done so much to save me, complete the work, continue thy aid. Wilt thou help me? But what do I say? If at a time when I live forgetful of thee, thou didst favor me so much, how much more may I not hope for now that I love thee and recommend myself to thee? No, he can never be lost who recommends himself to thee. He alone is lost who has not recourse to thee. Ah, my mother, leave me not in my own hands, for as I should then be lost. Excuse me, for I should then be lost. Grant that I may always have recourse to thee. Save me, my hope. Save me from hell, but in the first place, save me from sin, which alone can condemn me to it. And today, friends, was the first day of the much ballyhooed synod on synodality in Rome. Toward that end, I, over the next several days, just received in the mail today the Fatima Crusader, issue 131, the fall 2023 edition. It's entitled Expose the Errors of the 2023 Synod. And the first article I'm going to share with you is entitled An Attack Upon Christ and His Holy Sacrifice. There's also an article in here by Father McGivory, which we've shared before. It was on the Fatima Center's website. This is the hard copy of the Fatima Crusader. 
So this was authored by Father James Maudsley, entitled An Attack Upon Christ and His Holy Sacrifice. Father Maudsley begins by saying, Rome's Synod on Synodality is an attempt to fill the body of Christ with heresy and sacrilege, to destroy the divine constitution which God gave his church. We can already see this in its prototype, the Sindelin Weg, Synodal Way, in Germany. The series of conferences running from December 2019 through March 2023 has barely disguised its chief goals, women priests, incontinent priests, that Holy Communion be given to souls in mortal sin and overturning the church hierarchy. Respectively, these would render the Holy Mass invalid, unworthily offered, the fruits unworthily received, and aimed at the worship of man. The ultimate aim of this mindset is a new world religion. As part of the strategy, Francis has issued Traditionis Custodes, 16 July 2021, with his accompanying letter to the bishops and subsequent clarifications, the midterm aim is to eradicate the traditional mass. For the synod on synodality to introduce false worship, it is first necessary for traditionis custodes to take away the true. Jesus bequeathed the church profound mysteries which call us to meditation, undertaken with a census Fidei Fidelis. In the following sections, we see how these mysteries are protected by the Blessed Virgin Mary and how she guides us in their practical defense. Holy orders for women? No. It is theologically impossible for a woman to receive holy orders. This is a divine law established by God himself. The Holy Ghost will not give the sacramental grace of orders to a woman just as he would not turn a fish into the body of Christ despite the words of consecration being said over it. If a woman were to go through the rite of ordination, her soul would not receive the ontological character of an altar Christus. Rather, she and all those involved in the sham ceremony would be guilty of a grave sacrilege. A mass attempted by this woman would be utterly invalid. It would be a heinous blasphemy to participate. Stay far away from such an abomination and be warned away from liturgies which tend toward it. Look instead to Our Lady. Though she is holier than all the apostles, she did not aspire to their office. Though she is more worthy than all the popes, bishops, and priests combined, she did not aspire to be a priest. Rather, she brought forth Christ as one who receives the word of God. This is more fundamental and universal than the priesthood. It is true for every Christian. As the model par excellence, she brought forth the totus Christus, whole Christ, the incarnate word and his mystical body. Sexually active priests? No. Incontinent priests offer the holy sacrifice unworthily. Regrettably, there is much confusion on this matter today. However, canon law is crystal clear. Clerics are obliged to observe perfect and perpetual continence for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, and therefore are bound to celibacy, which is a special gift of God, Canon 277. Tradition is likewise absolutely clear on this matter. It is of apostolic origin, and therefore no pope has the authority to change this practice. For those who do not understand why priests must be celibate, consider that the mother of God was a perpetual virgin before, during, and after the birth of Christ. This beautiful sacrifice enabled her to live holy for God, totally committed to him, Mary's perfect virginity made her suitable 
for conceiving, bearing, raising, and handling the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. A priest's heart and desires are not to be divided. A priest cannot serve two masters. If he tries to love God and a woman or the world, then he will inevitably lead a frustrating double life. How can a priest touch the chalice or host if he is not continent? A man may only bring substantial life into this world by biological generation through his spouse or else through confecting the Holy Eucharist at Mass. To attempt both is worse than adultery. Receiving in mortal sin? No. To give Holy Communion to those who are not in the state of grace, for example, those who refuse to repent of adultery, sodomy, abortion, means the body and blood of Christ are unworthily received. Instead of receiving eternal life, such one brings spiritual death upon himself. See 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 30 This is an inexorable law of reality, which no good intention, papal declaration, or conciliar promulgation can dissolve. The evil of such sacrilegious communions is greater than the initial mortal sin. The allowance of it by pastors of souls is a still more woeful offense. These sins demand much reparation from us. The notion of Holy Communion being received by one who is not in the state of grace is inconceivable if we wish to imitate Our Lady. She was conceived immaculate and she never sinned, so as to receive the word of God. God knows we fall, and therefore he gives us sacramental confession. Usurp the hierarchy? No. Overturning the hierarchy of the church of bishop, priest, and deacon is tantamount to a disorientation from Christ and the Holy Eucharist. Each of the minor and major orders of the priesthood points to, is ordered to, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Our Lady had no interest in overturning any divinely established hierarchy. Everything she does points to her Son and magnifies God. Thus, she directs us to the proper hierarchy of the Church and to the Holy Eucharist. Our Lady would never disturb Christ's established order because an attempt to overturn the hierarchy is nothing less than hiding divine life from us, Jesus Christ's self-gift in the Eucharist. Attack the Holy Mass? No. Christ's sacrifice on the cross stands at the very center of reality. It is at the beginning, at the end, and all through both time and space. We might say it is the very DNA, a built-in instruction code of creation. We humans are patterned upon it and can only find our fulfillment in it. Divine sacrificial love. God makes the eternal sacrifice and its fruits present to us through the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Because of all the goodness of Holy Mass, the devil abhors it, and all the powers of hell are bent upon destroying it. To distort the Mass is to lie about God and is tantamount to murdering souls. This was the aim of the serpent in Eden, to lie and to murder. He continues through all generations, trying to separate men from God. The devil's attack gathered steam through the modernist liturgical revolution in the decade following Our Lady's apparitions at Fatima. It was intensified in the 1950s when the ancient liturgies for the sacred triduum were recklessly remodeled. It reached fever pitch with Paul VI's promulgation of the Novus Ordo Mise, New Order of Mass, and worldwide suppression of the traditional rite. Although there was a small respite under Benedict XVI, the devil's rage against the masses reached a crescendo under Francis. 
This is the man who, shortly before, promoted the unthinkable, shutting down all masses in Rome and supporting such a diabolic effort worldwide. It was the first time since before Constantine the Great in 313 that public mass was not offered in Rome on Easter Sunday. Who but Satan would desire such an assault upon the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yet his apparent success over the past 70 years signals not a near victory for him, but instead that soon his head will be crushed. The diabolic attack will fail. Here are three reasons why Francis's attack on the Mass will fail. One, on the part of God. He built his son's sacrifice into the very fabric of creation, more fundamental than gravity, and he has woven it into history, always prefigured or remembered. It is the purpose of the universe. Man finds his union with God through this worship. The globalists are smashing their heads against the wall and attempting to abolish it. Two, on the part of those who love God, any human who sincerely and perseveringly searches for meaning, for life and love, for God, will be led to apostolic liturgies. This may not be the majority of men, but there will always be some who find it. This mass is unmatched in beauty, goodness, truth, and unity. The traditional Latin mass is the strongest force in society. Filled with supernatural graces, it is profoundly co-natural to man, for he wants to correctly worship his creator and savior. Three, on account of the impossible contradictions of those who oppose it, the enemies of Christ don't understand the human being or selfless sacrifice. These they cannot calculate. They have nothing real or eternal to offer. Of course, Our Lady is the most perfect human person and exemplifies selfless sacrifice, drawing God's children to her son. She will overturn their diabolic plans. How to respond? The four goals of the Synodalin Veg are clearly contrary to the right order established by God and the salvation of souls. The document Traditionis Custodes is illegal in its premises, which are deceits, illegal in its goal, seeking to abolish the ancient right, and internally incoherent. Francis has even impossibly claimed the Novus Ordo constitutes the unique expression of the Lex Orandi of the Roman Rite. In a diabolical inversion, Traditionis Custodes attempts to ban tradition in the name of the chief custodian of tradition, the Pope. If this cause were advanced with misguided goodwill, the abettors would be moved by the cries of the faithful. Instead, its proponents still use lies, injustice, and cruelty to strangle the life of the world. Scripture and tradition indicate a proper response. When St. Peter, savoring the things of men and not of God, tried to prevent the sacrifice of Christ, our Lord chastised him, Go behind me, Satan, Matthew 16, 23. When the first and greatest pope deviated from Christ's revelation, St. Paul withstood and rebuked him publicly, see Galatians 2, 11 through 20. God permitted St. Peter to fall thus, so that all future generations might profit from his error and learn to always obey God rather than men, Acts 5, 29 whenever men overreach their authority. When Pope Liberius, who died in 366, 
signed a semi-Arian creed, St. Athanasius resisted him and suffered in exile. When Pope Paschal II, who died in 1118, undid the great reforms of St. Gregory VII, the holy abbot St. Bruno of Senji publicly refused to obey him and suffered the loss of office. When John XXII, who died in 1334, taught heresy, he was resisted by theologians at the University of Paris. St. Robert Bellarmine did his best to prevent Pope Sixtus V, who died in 1590, from infallibly endorsing an error-ridden version of the sacred scriptures. And when Patriarch Nestor, who died in 450, sought to preach heresy against Christ and his mother, a commoner publicly corrected him and upheld the honor of the Theotokos. The verdict of tradition on this matter can well be summarized in these two papal quotes. Not to oppose error is to approve it, and not to defend truth is to suppress it. Felix III. If a future pope teaches anything contrary to the Catholic faith, do not follow him. Pius IX. Faithful Catholics, defend the life of the world. Here are seven further reasons why Catholics, laity, religious, clerics, and hierarchs ought to publicly resist the abominations being promoted by Francis and the Synod. One, the first reason is for the sake of Francis's soul. We can hope that some of the cardinals have remonstrated quietly with him, as Jesus instructed. See Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17. Yet, since Francis has not backed away from this sacrilegious madness, we must tell the church as Christ commands. And uh, several of the cardinals, good cardinals, Cardinal Bram Mueller, Burke, um, Seurat, Cardinal Zen, there's a fifth cardinal whose name escapes me, sent additional dubia to the Holy Father seeking clarification. The Holy Father uh, commented to these questions, responded to them, but um, a, a lot of ambiguity, of course, involved in not really clear and concise teaching coming from Pope Francis. So Father Mazzi is absolutely right. We have to pray for Pope Francis's conversion. Number two, why does our Lord say one must make this public to the church? So as to avoid greater scandal. Countless Catholics are wounded by the spiritual beating from the Vatican. Religious communities, priests, faithful, and parishes have been devastated by it. Thus, a second reason for public resistance is so that those who care for the Mass don't think themselves crazy. Do not allow yourself to be gaslighted. What is happening is evil beyond description. The highest power on earth is attacking the greatest good on earth, precisely when it is his job to defend and preserve tradition for successive generations. Three, a third reason is that without truth, we die spiritually. Faithful Catholics need to hear the truth from the hierarchy in order to have peace. A reign of terror has been unleashed. Many bishops do not say openly what they think. Many priests keep their heads down. They are afraid of vicious reprisals. They risk incurring unlawful bans on confirmations or baptisms in the old rite or being told they can no longer say the ancient mass. They fear parishes being closed or losing their priestly faculties. This carnage has already begun. Yet if the truth be aired, souls can breathe again. Four. A fourth reason is to alert those Catholics who do not know what is happening. So many well-intended souls have been kept in the dark about the hierarchy's long attack on tradition. 
Even if one does not personally like the Old Mass, it should be clear that there are Catholics who love it. They love to encounter Christ there. They pray more deeply there than anywhere. Why would a spiritual father take this away? Why would a shepherd try to devastate those who hold on to tradition? A grace born from this evil would be for all of us to learn that there is nobody on earth, no prime minister, no president, no bishop, no pope, who has the authority to close all the churches or to try to ban the traditional mass. It is the Antichrist who will try to do that. Five, a fifth reason is that non-practicing Catholics need to hear the truth to be drawn back to Jesus and his church, outside of which there is no salvation. They have been robbed and their spiritual sense is dulled for 70 years. So they might not understand if they simply think the Pope is attacking the old mass. The fact is that the Bishop of Rome is attacking God's revelation. That should matter to everybody. The truth of Christ comes through both scripture and tradition. And just as it is evil to corrupt the scriptures, so it is evil to obstruct tradition. The received rites may not be condemned. They are received in order to be guarded, defended, celebrated, and passed on to the next generation all through to the end of time. To reject tradition is to reject Christ. Six, a sixth reason to withstand publicly. More important than our suffering is for the sake of future generations. We do not want another destroyer following Francis. Do we think things will be different under a future pope? Realize this attack on tradition did not begin with Francis. It has been going on for well over 70 years. There are plenty in the Curia and chanceries of the world who wish to perpetuate this insane auto-demolition. We should not tolerate lies from our religious leaders. The Sanhedrin of our Lord's days shows where this leads. Eventually, the flock is manipulated into following corrupt leaders to the death of Christ. Yes, Christ rises, but we don't want to crucify him again. A public stance helps Holy Mother Church return to tradition and be herself. I'd like to echo this sentiment from Father Maudsley. I'm not a husband and father yet, but I pray to the good Lord to send me a good wife and an abundance of godly children one day. And I want my children and grandchildren to have the fullness of the faith, to have the traditional Catholic religion, to not have their church destroyed. And we know that the church can never be destroyed because it is the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth can be obfuscated. The truth can be hidden from view. And that has gone on in the church for decades, not just over the last couple of years. It needs to end. Things need to change, and they will eventually, by God's grace and the powerful intercession of Our Lady of Fatima. Seven, a seventh reason is simply to remain faithful to Jesus Christ. Each one of us will stand in judgment before his divine majesty. No excuses will be possible then. He will know if we stood for him for true doctrine and true worship or if we succumbed to the pressures of the world, the flesh and the devil. Christ promised the one who suffers persecution for his sake shall be blessed and greatly rewarded in heaven. Matthew five ten through 12. The ultimate triumph. Traditionis custodes and the synodlin veg are being used to destroy the church. But the enemies of God have not reckoned on Our Lady. They are doomed to failure. This insanity 
is roundly defeated by the queen of heaven and earth, destroyer of all heresies, who overcomes all these attacks on her son's sacrifice and priesthood. The Virgin Mary chooses to work through those who are devoted to her, seek to understand her, ponder God's mysteries with her, and seek to imitate her. So live the message of Fatima that you may do your part in hastening the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen, Father Maudsley. Thank you for writing this wonderful article. The note at the end says, Father James Maudsley is an English priest and author. He has five books in the New Old series, which emphasize the truth, power, and beauty of true Catholic doctrine following St. Augustine's maxim, the New Testament lies hidden in the old, and the old is made manifest in the new. Ordained in 2016, Father Maudsley exclusively offers the traditional Latin Mass. Good man. Let us conclude, friends, by mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org. Also, please tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast for more information about RPM. RPM is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Before my niece was eight years old, we didn't even know her favorite color. Now we know she's a comprehensive genius. She's a wonderful poet, mathematician. She's skilled in foreign languages, a great composer. She has so many gifts, so many talents, and she's one of the most kind, sweet young women you would ever meet in your life. And we would have known none of that were it not for RPM, just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough in terms of being able to communicate. For the deaf, RPM has done the same thing for non-speakers. Just because you can't speak or you have difficulty speaking, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be unable to communicate. Communication is a human right. We need to get this information out there to the families and friends of non-speakers. Once again, it's located on the web at halo-soma.org. That's Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach. And also, please tune into episodes 277 and 548. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you so much for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please tune in again tomorrow. Goodbye and God love you.